Welcome to More Than Meets the Eye, the official podcast of the Centre for Eye Research Australia. My name's Steve Hurt. I'll be presenting this podcast, and I'm the Community Liaison Officer here at CIRA. CIRA's mission is to save sight and change lives through research with real-life impact. In this podcast, we'll be speaking with world-leading researchers, as well as other interesting guests, who are going to bring you the latest in research and technology, which unravel the mysteries of the eye. Hello and welcome. And today we've got a really interesting guest and a really interesting topic. It's Dr. Stuart Keel, and he's going to talk about diabetic retinopathy. And he works in our Department of Ophthalmic Epidemiology. There, I said it. I managed to say it. Stuart, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, it's, it's a great pleasure. And it's very interesting, the work that you're doing. But I think perhaps we'd better put it into context for people. So what actually is diabetic retinopathy? So diabetic retinopathy is the the most common complication, microvascular complication of diabetes. It occurs in about 30% of the population with diabetes. So uh, a lot of people are hearing the latest buzzword is artificial intelligence. And your projects and some of your work has been around the application of artificial intelligence to retinal epidemiology and and to the diabetic retinopathy. So... How, how have you applied that sort of technology, which, which I, be, I believe the technology is about how computers can predict, can take a scan of something, predict something, and then make assumptions based on certain algorithms, which, which are often as easy to do when Google are doing searches, but for something like you know, retinopathy, how, how have you applied something like that to, to your work? Yeah, very good question, Steve. I'll take, take a step back and, yep. and understand why we're applying uh, this artificial intelligence technology to the field of diabetic retinopathy and particularly screening. Um, so so diabetes is, is the rate of diabetes is growing rapidly all over the world and, and even in, in high-income and low-income countries. But the key statistic is that about 90% of cases of diabetic retinopathy or vision loss from diabetic retinopathy are, are actually avoidable through early detection. But with this growing rate of diabetes, there's not enough eye specialists and manpower to keep up with the, the screening that's required. And there's only about 50% of people um, with diabetes that actually adhere to regular eye examinations and therefore they leave themselves at risk of, of avoidable blindness from diabetic retinopathy. That's, so that's where the introduction of artificial intelligence may play a key role. I see. So what actually happens if I if I'm going to be examined uh, or or going to be you know if going to utilise the technology? What what's the procedure? What actually happens so, to the patient? So at the moment, this artificial intelligence technology works uh, predominantly on uh, standard colour fundus photographs that you would have in an ophthalmology practice or an optometry clinic, right. and we upload those images to our artificial intelligence platform, and within about a few seconds, we get a result of, of referable disease or not, or, or whether this person requires further follow-up care or not. So it's quite a, quite a fast process. So what about the situation where someone might not have had diabetes or, or diabetic um, conditions that diagnosed anyway, and they just went for a regular eye checkup? Uh, would that detect any early onset of, of diabetes or the, the likelihood? Yes. In fact, diabetic retinopathy um, can be found prior to the diagnosis of, of diabetes. Most commonly, it, it occurs after. 
However, it, it can be found prior to. And so what happens in practical terms is a patient would simply sit in front of a, uh, a device and it would take a painless photo of the eye. Would that be pretty much it? And yes, exactly. Yeah. And then the images would simply be uploaded right. to the yeah. And then the, the artificial intelligence has learned what, what these conditions look like and how to sort out one photo from another. Would that be... Yes, exa- exactly right. And, and that's come about basically over the last five to ten years. There's been a huge increase in computing power so that's enabled the development of these very precise, right. um, what's called a deep learning algorithm. Right, yeah. And, and they have the ability to process huge data at an extraordinary speed and accuracy than ever before, which has enabled these, these deep learning algorithms to be developed and started to, be, uh, to see where they fit in the clinical system. That's fascinating. And what, how did your work come about and, and the work of CIRA come about in this particular field? How did that all happen? Yeah. So, so Professor Ming-Yang He, who is the head of the Ophthalmic Epidemiology Group at CIRA, I work uh, quite closely with. So he developed uh, this AI system by collecting over 70,000 images. So um, what happens with these 70,000 images is they're, they're graded and identified by specialists and then they're used to train the deep learning algorithm to detect these diseases. Right. Oh, that, that's fascinating. How long did that take? So that took, I mean, from uh, the process was, a, I think, a, a two-year process. But once we developed the algorithm, it was very important for us to assess how it actually works and if it is accurate compared to a, a human, for instance. Uh, well, I, ma- I imagine it would take a human a tremendous amount of time to sort through the data that, that needs to be sorted through, wouldn't it? It would be yes, monumental. Yes. And, and that is one of the advantages of these artificial intelligence systems. They, they offer great potential to really increase the efficiency of, of screening. Um, as we know, it takes a, a, at least 30 seconds to a minute to two minutes for a, for a human to grade an image, whereas these systems can grade an image, several images yeah. within a second or so. So I, I think I know what you're going to say to my next question, but what would you advise our listeners to do in, in terms of uh, eye tests? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the, the key thing for people with diabetes um, particularly is to have regular eye examinations. And, and by regular, in Australia, it's recommended that um, people with non-Indigenous Australians with diabetes have their eyes checked at least every two years and Indigenous Australians have their eyes checked at, with diabetes at least every year. So even for, say, somebody like myself who has been legally blind all my life and got late-onset diabetes, would it still be advisable for... Because for, I know there's a lot of other ple- people who are vision-impaired with diabetic conditions. Would it still be advisable for them to be checked up as well? Of course it is if you have some still remaining vision yeah. um, because... The, the key is to detect the diabetic retinopathy early so that we can intervene yep. at the appropriate time. One of the key challenges to this technology is understanding and trying to evaluate where it best fits in, in the clinical system, whether it can be incorporated in those um, diabetes clinics, endocrinology clinics that typically don't do eye examination to enable you know increased accessibility of screening that's what we're really evaluating now and reintroducing it into um, endocrinology right. clinics in hospitals yep. and also Aboriginal medical services to, yeah. to get a better understanding of that. Oh, that sounds really valuable. So is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? No, I'll just reinforce the, the, the importance of having regular eye examinations. Um, as, as I said earlier, about 90% of, of cases of diabetic retinopathy blindness can be avoided if detected early. 
Okay, well, I think that is absolutely essential for anybody who's listening who either knows someone or or has those conditions to really follow up on that. And thank you very much for your time today. I think it's been really fascinating. And so thanks for your time, Stuart. No problems. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening to this most interesting interview. And I, for one, will be will be having my eyes checked very quickly. And I hope you will too. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of More Than Meets the Eye. It's been a great pleasure presenting it to you. If you have any ideas or suggestions or comments, please write to us at community at cera, that's C-E-R-A.org.au. If you'd like to learn more about the fantastic research that we're doing here, or even contribute, please don't hesitate to go to our website, which is www.cera.org.au. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to speaking with you again really soon. Bye for now.